welcome to the UJ Sports uh, Georgia Recruiting Show called Rumors Versus Facts. My name is Rodney Nabulsi. I am joined by Jed May, our recruiting uh, senior writer. I guess we'll give him that title at UJSports.com. And of course, Trent Smallwood, who's been with us for 7,000 years as one of our recruiting insiders. He gives you all that great insider information. He is excited. The Braves just hit a home run. I'm thinking they're getting a little bit closer. I'm, I, I, I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to pay attention, but uh, we got Trent on in the Braves hat watching the Braves games. But the biggest uh, part of our show tonight is having Sokovi White on. Sokovi White is one day away from having been committed to the University of Georgia for one year. And I think that's uh, in today's day and age, that is a rare thing. That's Don't a rare jinx thing. it, Roddy. Don't yeah, jinx it. great. I just screwed it up. <laughs> Well, Sokovi's here to tell us he's decommitted, and I just screwed up the whole thing. It's my bad. You can all blame me. Sokovi, welcome to the show. We're really glad you're with us, man. Thanks for having me. All right. I know Jeff's got a lot of questions for you. He went to see you, and then I saw the video clips. I was impressed. Uh, but go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, like Roddy mentioned, what tomorrow is one decommitted. Just, just – what what are the relationships with the coaching staff like when you've been committed for a year? I mean, the other night when I talked to you, you said Brian McClendon's like a second dad now. Just what are those bonds like with those guys at this point? Um, I think they're a, a lot more comfortable with me. Um, they can tell me the ins and outs about the offense and what they plan on doing with me. You know, usually when you have a kid who um, just came in and they're committed, you don't know if you really can trust them. You'll never know if he's gonna leave or not. How how um, committed they really are to the school. So I think me being committed, being the longest committee to the school, makes them feel like that um, I'm trustworthy, and that they can depend on me when I get there. Yeah, I mean, you you, you said it, but like how this might be the easiest question that I have. But how committed are are you to Georgia? I mean, you you have kind of I don't want to say blown up, but you know you keep like Roddy mentioned, keep putting these clips out there. You know, a crazy guy that I know has generated interest. I mean, what what is it like as a Georgia commit with I'm sure other teams kind of knocking on your door? Mm, um, it's a lot of um, hard work. You know, you got to stay focused, and there's ups and downs that come with it. There's people who say, I mean, you only get it because you're in state, or you got some people who like, all right, is he really this good? Or we see him every single day. He's not really that person every single day, or just it's just a lot of stuff that comes with it, pros and cons. How much are you hearing from other schools? Uh, it's rare now. I mean, they know that I've committed. Like, schools won't usually talk to me. They need to know, like, they gotta for me for them to show interest in me. Like, I have to come to the school to visit, and I don't. They don't really say anything to me anymore because they know that. I mean, I haven't really sent out something that I'm shutting my recruitment down. But I'm pretty sure they know that it's it's a done deal. Now, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jeb, but was just, you got me thinking about it because it seems like uh, well, we've had there've been some high-profile decommitments there, and while we got a guy who's been committed a long time, who's blowing up, you know, your each clip, each week, the stuff Jeb puts out of you, I could just see somebody at another school going, let, let, let's let's weasel in here, let's 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 try to pry him away. Uh, we had him maybe fourth on our board. Now we want him number one on our board. So I was just curious as to how much you hear from the other schools. But if it's not receptive, it's not receptive. I got it. Thank you for that. Well, and and I guess, Sokovia, I mean, for people who haven't seen you play, I think I've seen you play three or four times now, but but how do you describe your game to to someone who hasn't seen you play before? Um, explosive and, and exciting. 
I know. Anything that I do, I feel like that um, I have a chance on making the big play, whether it's me being on defense or special teams. I feel that I'm most dangerous on special teams. Um, if I'm running the ball out of the backfield or even throwing the ball, something that's different. Me just being in the area scares a lot of people. Fair. So, um, I mean, for me, the the thing that jumps off the tape first is, is the hops, right? The, the leaping ability you've got. Like, what? Just tell people what what kind of uh, vert we're working with, and then how you know how have you developed the leaping ability? Is it just natural? Were you jumping over guys on the playground when you're in third grade? I mean, what's what's kind of the, the background of the of the just phenomenal leaping ability you got? Well, it start. I played basketball. Um, I didn't start playing football until my eighth grade year. Um, one of my friends um, just asked me to come out and play since it was our last year at eighth grade, so I just decided to play. And I couldn't realize, like, I, I knew I could jump, but I didn't know where I could jump from, like, if I was a one-foot person or a two-foot person. And I think it really kicked in my sophomore year. Well, I could, I could dunk. I got my first dunk ever, probably my – it was like a little rim grazer my eighth grade year. I got a little too excited about it, but I didn't actually slam. I didn't actually slam one down until my freshman year against a local team in back in a basketball game. So that's where I realized I can jump. And then one day I just tried jumping off two feet, and it worked. So um, after that, I just I figured out I can jump up and get the ball over taller to finish. All right. So what's your first love then? What did you say? What's your first love then? Is it basketball or football? Definitely basketball. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, well, I mean, what's your favorite? I, I've seen a lot of, of highlight plays you've had, whether it's games, whether it's seven on seven. What's your favorite play you've made? Like, I know the one-handed interception last year um, in that game I went to comes to mind. What, what's your favorite highlight you've, uh, you know, come up with on the gridiron? Uh, I, have a, I have a lot. I don't know. I don't really. Um, it just has to be in the moment. Uh, probably something that I've done crazy in practice that y'all haven't seen. Like I've I've done a lot of crazy stuff in practice. Hey, Scoo, you're never dropping my. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. I, it's probably in practice. I've done a lot of crazy stuff in practice that don't get like that people don't see. Um, I one of the DBs, a younger DB. Um, he's going to be really good when he gets older. His name is Braylon Hill. And we were going one-on-one in the right corner. And Brody threw a hot ball up, and I just grabbed it with one hand. And that's probably my favorite one that I've done overall. But in game, probably my freshman year, jumping over um, a defender. That's, that play kind of blew me up. But jumping over a defender in the corner, the end zone, and scoring. Okay. Okay. What's you know you when when I talked to you the other night you said you know you're trying to um, you know be better as a leader this year and I guess how are you approaching that obviously on your team at Cast but but with the Georgia commits right I mean you're the longest tenured guy there is leadership wise I mean kind of what how are you trying to get better at that as you're kind of you know getting ready to transition to college here in a couple months um be vocal and I don't I don't I don't talk a lot I like usually stand like. I'm better being by myself, you know. I like being able to watch everything. Um, I think me starting that now, and I've I recently started 
when we go to practice at the way in the session, I'll get all the receivers together and be like, okay, so what do we do wrong in this session? Like, what could we fix that y'all think that we didn't do good? Like, what do you think we could do better? And some people say dropping passes, not running the routes all the way, just doing different things. So me being vocal is probably going to help me be a better leader um, when I get to Athens. Are they going to use you as a uh, specialist in Athens? I mean, you've seen what Makai Muse is doing. Uh, he's dangerous. Uh, you saw uh, that Brian kid from Kentucky, what he could do. I think he's averaging like 33 yards of return. Makai uh, mm-hmm. Muse is right there. You say you're more dangerous in, in special teams than as a receiver. Is that something they got you in the mix for? Yes, sir, definitely. Um, the coaches have told me that um, I really don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, so um, – I'm looking forward to it though. I think that's I think that's gonna probably be the most funnest part of of my career in Athens is me playing special teams and maybe able to trust those guys to block for me and I can make plays. When you when you talk about stuff coaches have told you, I mean something you told me a couple times is McClendon has told y'all, hey, whether it's you, whether it's Nitro, you know, you guys have to be ready to to come in and play and compete day one. Just kind of I guess maybe elaborate on that message a little bit and what how that resonates with you knowing once you get there and whether bowl practice or January, whatever, you, you've got to be mm-hmm. ready to go for the jump. Uh, I, I, it's not nothing really new to me. I know it's going to be another level, but same thing, same uh, scenario coming in my freshman year. And then we had guys who weren't acting right and were just doing crazy stuff and not making plays on the field. And Coach Gates ended up putting me on the field my um, freshman year, probably mid through close to the end of the year. Um, telling me I had to grow up fast. So um, he said he had a sit-down meeting with me telling me that he's not going to treat me like a freshman. He's going to treat me like a sophomore. And when I turn to a sophomore, he told me he's going to treat me like a junior. So I think him doing that for me my freshman and sophomore year really helped. Um, it's going to help me when I get to Athens. So you've already been thrown into the fire. That that makes sense. Uh, I want to go back to this past game, this Kentucky game, where George is just airing the ball out. I'm sure you had mm-hmm. to like that a lot. But I want your take on the Ra Ra Thomas catch with the one foot down front corner of the end zone. The initially waved off as incomplete, you know, and they had mm-hmm. to with the tape. And I mean, to me, that's a, that's the second best catch of the year. I'll tell you the yeah. first. I'll, I'll give you the first one in a minute. But give me your thoughts on that catch. Uh, I think Ra Ra is a great player. He uh, can track the ball down. Um, I think all our receivers can do a lot of different things, but that particular catch, I feel like he has a great body control, being able to stay in balance and get that foot down. I feel like that's an NFL type of catch, but usually you got to get two feet in. But then again, he can he has great body control and great hands. And for him to high point the ball at his highest peak um, is going to help him when he gets to the next level. My, my thought of the best catch of the year didn't, didn't count. It's over the middle. Uh, Brock Bowers snags ball out there one-handed, you know, like mm. the, what you're talking about. And they said he was covered up, you know, a little error there. That was my best one. But there's a lot of negative recruiting out there. We saw this all over the weekend. You know, people kind of throwing it and yeah, opposing fans' faces. And I'm sure you heard it coming through. But uh, there's like Georgia throws to the tight ends a lot. Georgia throws to the wide receivers a lot. Georgia doesn't use mm-hmm. – uh, or excuse me, the uh, running backs a lot. Georgia just doesn't use – Throw to elite wide receivers. Uh, what have you heard on the recruit trail? Have you heard any of this stuff? Have, have schools tried to mention that to you? And then well, give me your take on Georgia's use of the wide receivers. I mean, we want we want the we want the team, and we want to know 
what 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 are they saying out there about George? I I just I don't really get into all the the media and stuff like that. I don't. Well, maybe opposing schools rather when they were when they were recruiting you before you committed. What'd you say? You cut out. Said so the opposing schools when they were recruiting mm-hmm. you before you committed to Georgia. I'm sure it wasn't all. Hey, Georgia's a great place. I'm sure there's some uh, dirt out there. Oh yeah, definitely. They <laughs> they um I've had my 707 coach sent me a text message about how um a coach was going to offer me because he thought that I was a G5 player and I wasn't a um a good enough player to go to to Georgia. So um I I don't know what kind of, I don't know what I forgot about what school it was. I think it was Middle Tennessee or something like that. But I guess schools, lower schools like that, think thought that I was a G five player, or whatever. And um, I don't, it's not really just dirt. It's just they're trying to get players. I understand them trying to get players to their school, the best players they can get that they feel can help their team. So um, I don't really knock them for it. I I mean every coach does it. Of course they're gonna tell you. Like, okay, don't go to this school because such and such, or they don't throw the ball, or they don't run the ball, or whatever, just to get you to their school. But it's going to be totally different when you get there. So I just try to um, keep a level a level head and um, pick my choices wisely. Um, you know, the, la- the last thing I think for me is, is, Kobe, I asked you this the other night too, but, you know, with all the, you know, Nicardi committed and who what receivers are going to join the class next, I guess one, what what do you tell people who are worried about the state of the receiver class and decommitments and all that kind of stuff? And two, if you are telling a a receiver why they should come join you and commit to Georgia, what would you tell them? Um, so for your first question, all the receivers, we got a whole bunch of receivers in the class of twenty three who are still young, so they're gonna be there next year and they're already getting reps um in the game, probably third quarter to the fourth quarter of the game, getting reps and getting a feel for it. And probably got what six, six or seven. And then you got me and Nitro coming in. Uh, I feel like, I mean, we're going to be perfectly fine. Those those receivers that they got are elite, and um, they can play, and they've shown that they can play now. So next year they're going to be ready to start. And then when me and Nitro get there, they're just going to do the same thing with us, sticking us in there um, every now and then, just so we can get a feel for it. And then when those guys move up, we're going to be those people, those sophomores who. Um, take on the lead for the freshmen that are coming in. And then uh, for your second question, I mean, as a receiver coming to the University of Georgia, first of all, you got to want to compete. You know, it's not going to be easy. And then you got, I mean, they, everybody's, if you're playing football and you're going to a D1 school and you want to go to the NFL, I mean, they do all the tools, they have all the tools and do all the things to get you there. Um, and we we've seen it a lot. Darnell Washington, um, George Pickens, and a lot of others. They produce athletes and they produce NFL stars. So I mean, why not? Why not go be great in the NFL? No, that's absolutely fair. All right, uh, before we let you go, give me a quick rundown of who you're close to in this recruiting class. You know who you, who you reach out and talk to a lot, and who else are you recruiting? Because if I'm the Georgia uh-huh. coaches and you've been there a year, I'm like, hey, I need your help getting this guy. Uh, we yeah. want. This. So give me your, who you're close with and who you're going after. I would say probably Nitro and Dylan. Those are the two that I talk to a lot. Um, Daniel Calhoun, that's my guy. He's offensive line. I talk to him a lot. I'm pretty close with him. And then we're still going after K.J. Bowden. 
I feel like we still have a good chance of getting him. Um, and I think just anybody who has a chance to come, they'll probably end up texting me and be like, can you um, shoot shoot a text message to this guy, um, see how he feels about us or something like that. And I'll shoot him a text message, but um, KJ's probably the dude because I know him the best, and I'll play 707 with him, and I'll probably end the closest with that guy so I um, can shoot him text messages and talk to him about us. Love it. All right. Well, that's all for me. I think that's it for Jed. We're not even going to let Trent ask any questions. He's too busy watching baseball. So he's out, he's out of the loop. Hey, Sokobi, thanks very much for joining us, man. It means a lot. And uh, congrats on the one year of commitment. We got a, uh, it'll be a front page story for folks that read UGA Sports tomorrow uh, with Sokobi White kind of celebrating his one year. And uh, we think it's a we think it's a big deal. So we really appreciate him making time to be on the show with us tonight. Thank you, Sokobi. Thank you. Thanks, man. Uh, that is a ridiculously talented kid. Chad, you got to move him up in the rankings. I mean, that, you got one job. I had yeah. a question, but I thought twice about it. <laughs> I, our, uh, the, the, next, the next rivals rankings are, are coming out in December, and I think I think there's a very good chance that Kobe White's a top 250 player because he just he's he's really good. I mean, we he's just a, a football player. He makes plays. He can catch. He can run. He's got great leaping ability. He's got everything you want, uh, especially in a receiver. So I know we got him as an athlete, but uh, you know he's he's a receiver at the next level, obviously from from how he was talking. So uh, and, and listen, we we talk all the time about Georgia's evaluation skills or whatever. Georgia, I mean, what was the first thing we asked him? Georgia was on this kid last summer. They offered him after he was he uh, showed out in a seven on seven in Athens, which I saw him in a seven on seven this summer at Georgia Tech. And the kid is a a monster in seven on seven. He's he's you know, mossing kids. He's running rounds. He's breaking angles. He's doing everything you want. So uh, it makes sense. Georgia liked what they saw, and it paid off in an early commitment. And he's stuck by it for, for like I said, a year now. When I was watching the clips you put up, it was reminding me of Terry Godwin. You know, just bigger, but I was just like this guy just moves like a Brandon Boykin. You know, just the uh, stuff. And I'm thinking. We really don't have him ranked where we should. And that's, you know, hey, that's on us. So sometimes the athlete tag does more harm than good. It's more encompassing because some of these guys, you're not sure which where, you know, where they're going to play. Are they going to be a wide receiver? Are they going to be a uh, defensive back? You know, uh, I get it. Some guys could play both sides of the ball, even in the offensive, defensive line. You have some guys that, you know, will tag with athlete there. But it's tough. You know, where do you put them in there? Whereas if a guy is nothing but a wide receiver, it's like, okay, it's a little bit easier and you can move him up. But, I think you're right about uh, with what he's putting out via on tape. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. All right, um, let's move on from Scovy and get into what we do each week. We talk about some of the remaining guys, and I think uh, uh, we had an update today on Aiden Breland. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, Adam Gorney I had a now. Oh, had a national update on Aiden Breland today. I was going to pull it up uh, right here. But uh, while I'm pulling that up, you know, the three finalists are um, Georgia, Oregon, and uh, Miami. Uh, he's committing on Saturday. And, you know, here, here's what he said about Georgia. He says, the first thing about Georgia is they're the number one team in the nation. That has to catch your attention. Coming from the number one team, why not play for the number one team in the standings? Uh, I love Trey Scott. I love Kirby Smart. I love Glenn Schumann, defense coordinator. 
That's every football player's dream to play in the SEC and for Georgia. There's just a lot to love about Georgia and Athens. And when I was there for the South Carolina game, I took a step back from the football side, and I love the people and the town itself. So I took an official visit over the summer, uh, returned on an unofficial visit, like you mentioned, for the South Carolina game. And, and he's really kind of – him and LJ McCray probably are the two biggest – fish left out there um you know he's he's we just, just doesn't have his oh there it is right there it's he's he's 6'5 285 so one of those kind of uh, a three technique guy he could slide out and play a five technique uh which both honestly are kind of positions of need for georgia in this class so he he would be a huge huge get at a position of need and it, it's seeming like it's, it's turning into a georgia oregon thing down the stretch here um you know trent and, and i have reported georgia likes where it sits Reading some tea leaves out there, it seems like Oregon is is really kind of making a late run, and this likes this looks like one of those ones where it could, you know, both sides might have some momentum at various points over the next uh, four or five days till he commits on Saturday. And and if you think back of the head to head battles, um, Georgia has beat Oregon in basically every head to head battle they've been in for a recruit in the cycle. Um, so it you know Oregon's going to go. You're saying Oregon's do. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, Oregon's going to go all out. I think Georgia and Oregon are going back and forth here. And I'm not even 100% sure that his mind's totally made up where he wants to go uh, as of today. Um, But uh, I I think Oregon and Georgia are the two. uh, You know, he's got top three, but I think there's the top two. And, um, you know, we we said as of yesterday uh, that Georgia likes where they stand. Uh, for for Breland, uh, that's been the case since all the way back to July. Um, but but that let me let me let me interrupt you real quick. For folks who are trying to read into the tea leaves, there that doesn't mean we believe Georgia's getting him. Georgia, in other words, if lots of times if we know Georgia is behind, you know we're like, hey, we won't be saying that if we think. But if they think they've done everything they can, you know, lots of times that's also they like where they are where they've had some good conversations with the kid or they think they're getting him, but that doesn't, it's not a guarantee. So I just want to, I don't give a go because this happened in the past where you guess you guys said that Georgia liked where they were. Yeah, they did, but they didn't get the kid. It happens. Sorry. I, just yeah. I mean, Georgia's like where they were for several prospects in this class. <laughs> they love where they were with KJ Bolden, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I can tell you right now, it's tougher now to predict where a kid's going to go. Uh, yeah. A couple months out or a couple weeks out, uh, with with how everything goes, um, yeah. you know, behind the scenes. So, um, all we can report is what the inside uh, information that we're getting, and and you know, we we felt like Georgia is uh, been right there, and Georgia's felt good about where they stand. And Georgia's felt good about where they are in the recruitment. Uh, that um, you know, when he visited for South Carolina, that uh, coming out of that visit, we kind of got the, the the same vibe, a little bit stronger, and. Um, but Oregon is trying to make a late run, and we'll see. It is closer to home. Uh, that's the that's the one thing. That's the one aspect playing here is it's closer to home. And Oregon is has put a good product on the field this year. So yeah, he's from Santa Ana, California. So uh, there is that possibility. Uh, I guess since our, we did our last show, Nike Carr has committed to Miami. Why didn't they pick an E? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's why I, Gary's making a comment about that. Uh, but uh, you mentioned for Breland, Miami being one of the uh, uh, finalists there. They, Miami's making uh, hay on the recruiting trail. They're they're trying to get the best class money can buy. And, um, I, and, and uh, I'm not going to count 
Miami out for the Aiden Breland special when they won the finals. Because as to your point, you said, hey, it's getting harder and harder. We can have quotes from a kid telling us why he committed to school X on mm-hmm. Thursday. Then he announces on Friday and he puts on a different damn hat. So it's, uh, <laughs> it, it happens. My point is uh, I'm not going to count them out. And even if they, you see something like, a, you know, why don't you take a knee against Georgia Tech? The, and, here, and you should know you've publicly had a humiliating lesson in this exact same thing and you still screw it up. But yeah. Uh, some of the kids don't care about uh, what you're. Uh, he won't. He won't be dumb like that when I'm there. Okay, I'll, I'll teach coach how to do clock management. You know, or hey, I can come in and take a knee for you, coach. You won't have to worry about it. Anyway, uh, so that's the thing with my car. Let's go to the next guy that I want to talk about. Uh, uh, L.J. McRae. You mentioned him as the other kind of big remaining guy out there. So, what's the latest on L.J. McRae? I, I haven't seen a whole lot since the last time we spoke about him. So, but. yeah, he took an official visit to Florida state this weekend. Um, I, I believe it was an un, unofficial. He was definitely there. Um, you know, it, it's, it seemed like this is a Georgia, Florida, Florida state thing uh, for a while. Auburn and Miami are also involved. And, you know, it, it, it's Georgia doesn't look to be, maybe have as much momentum here as it, as it did once. Um, you know, I mentioned on the board yesterday, Georgia's still very much alive in it. If I had to pick this second, I would probably pick Florida or Florida State. Um, I think an interesting, you know, an article from our Florida State site yesterday, one of the most interesting things was he mentioned he's not planning on taking any more visits. And that was a thing we were wondering because Georgia hosted him, uh, I believe, the last weekend in July, Trent, for the uh, for the cookout. So the question – because and he also doesn't have, you know, a set – commitment date so we were kind of wondering does georgia try to get him back you know maybe for the kentucky game in october um that didn't happen doesn't look like it's going to happen before he commits that's not to say georgia has no chance um but it looks like the visit portion of this uh has wrapped up and now it's just up to um you know the the relationship georgia's built to uh to, to see if it wins out in the end but i think this looks like it's georgia florida florida state right now at least in my opinion Yep, that's. Uh, I mean, Florida State coming off the last visit. You know, I I started to think it was. Uh, it's getting to more towards Georgia, Florida State. Uh, you know, Florida's kind of been the team all along. Just kind of sit there. Um, but the more is the the later it's gotten, the more you've heard about Georgia and Florida State, and Florida State getting that last official visit. Um, uh, that's 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 a key aspect there. So, um. And the and the year Florida State's having, you know, you, you some of these some of these kids look at the year uh, these coach are having. This is year two of Florida not being very good on the field, and uh, those things make an impact on a recruit. You know, we always say uh, a win or a loss doesn't affect a recruit, but a long term, if you look at a coach's over a two year span, that does that does make an impact. Uh, uh, you know, where where a recruit might go. Well, that's fair. All right, let's uh, shift gears from 2024 to 2025, and I want to jump right into David oh, Sanders. Well, what happened? What happened Rally just hit a two-run ball. Let's mm. – oh, y'all almost had me swear out there. Hey, hey, we're, all, we're, all, hey we're live. Let's, we're live. Let's go. Look at that. Five to four. Look at that. We'll blow the damn save. Right, we're, we're, we're gonna talk fast. <laughs> um, 
That's a question from Seabuck11 on the board. What's the feeling on David Sanders? Is he currently a UGA lead? Thank you, Seabuck11, for your question on the dog hall. <laughs> um, yeah, so David Sanders, for those unfamiliar, he's a 25 offensive tackle. He's the number one uh, offensive tackle, number one offensive player, period, in the country. He was at the game this weekend, and um, he, he loves Stacey Searles. For all those people who, who were down on Stacey Searles, and, and, you know, given his track record, you know, it's it's whatever. Everyone has their own argument. David Sanders loves Stacey Searles. He, he's told me before when Georgia hired Stacey Searles, that put them even more on my radar. Um, so so that relationship is strong. Um, as far as being a Georgia lean, um, you know, he, he's obviously a guy everybody wants. It seems like Georgia is, is always that school that's kind of uh, – what's the word? That, that's always kind of being compared that, that other schools are compared to uh, with Sanders. It, it feels like Georgia is, you know, it could be Georgia and Clemson one day. It could be Georgia and North Carolina, Alabama, whatever. Georgia is always that one that's right there. Now, does that mean that Georgia is is the leader? Like I wouldn't definitively say that. Um, but I do think that Georgia, there, there's nobody in a better position than Georgia right now. I would say that just because okay. the relationship with Cyril's, I believe Cyril's was maybe the first coach to offer him or, or something like that during his time at North Carolina. There's, there's that kind of connection there. Um, so th that part of it is huge. And I think, again, Georgia lean might be a bit strong at this one, especially with the recruitment like this, that's probably going to go uh, deep into next summer at least. But, um, you know, again, there's, there's, I wouldn't trade Georgia's position for for anyone else's right now. I, I'll I'd put it that way. That would uh, be a, that would be a lean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I uh, I want to. Well, I thought it was very interesting um, that Malik. You had an update on Malik Autry, the uh, Auburn commit. Right? Yeah, that kind of, that kind of gets my attention there. You know. Yeah, and he's an interesting guy because I've I've you know every week when we're putting together our visitor lists. You know, you reach out to kids. Hey, you're going to be at Georgia this weekend. And I, I forget what game it was, but I, when I asked Malik Autry if he was visiting Georgia, he said something to the effect of like, nah, man, wish I was. And when an Auburn commit tells you that, it's like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway. yeah. Flesh that out, man. Flesh it out. Yeah, so at, at another point, I followed up with him and he said, you know, I'm definitely going to make it to two games this year. Definitely the Kentucky game. You know, this was a few weeks ago. So. Um, Georgia likes it, and he is very high on Georgia. You know, Trey Scott took him and a couple other prospects on the field before any of the other prospects that came out on the field. They were they just sat down uh, on the bench and just talked about football, how he could fit in the program. Um, you know, Trey Scott's season was like a three. That's a defensive end, is, is how he said it to me. Which at that size, I'm guessing means it's yeah, two ninety eight. So probably a three tech that could kick out to a five, kind of like Aiden Breland. Um, and yeah, Georgia is is very very high on Malik Audrey. They speak with him. They're in frequent contact with him, um, and he is is very high on Georgia as well. So getting him back on campus is huge. I would not be shocked um, at all if if they get him back for either the uh, the Missouri or Ole Miss games here in a few weeks. I remember when it was impossible to land a, a, a commit or a prospect from Alabama. Or an Opelika. Come on. I mean, it was impossible before Kirby got to Athens, and yeah. now. Yeah, well, I mean, Georgia's in well, the well, you got Ben Jones. <laughs> that was a coup. That was very limited. Uh, but hey, I got a better one for you, a tougher one. Okay, a an even crazier one. 
Who's that? Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> right. If you were, if you're gonna pull a kid out of Alabama, pull the number one wide receiver who's committed to Alabama right now in Ryan Williams. Who, and could you have brought him in for a better game visit than what yeah. he has? <laughs> yeah. And you know it 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 reminds me a little of when Georgia played Carolina at home two years ago, and they had remember they had uh, Arch Manning in town. I believe that was actually that might have been Georgia's last SEC night home game. Um, they had Arch. Remember, AD Mitchell catches that touchdown pass and goes right up to Arch Manning sitting in the front row, and Georgia's airing it out and this and this and um, yeah. yeah and, and I spoke with Ryan Williams. He transferred to Texas, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They made a deal in that moment to that team up in Texas. Um, but when you should have seen it, should have seen it. I spoke to Ryan Williams, and he literally told me, "Yeah, that kind of performance makes me consider them more." And and he and he had the stats too. He said, "Yeah, they threw for almost 300 yards in the first half. He had over 600 yards of offense." So what that tells me is, post game, the coaches are you know throwing that stat sheet on the table in front of them and says, "People say we don't throw the ball." Look at these numbers and tell us we don't throw the ball. So, um, yeah, that that was an interesting quote to say at least. I mean, it's. I think there's a there was a question on YouTube earlier, like on a scale of one to ten, what is the likelihood? I'm not going to say it's likely necessarily, but I there are, um, you know, folks in UGA circles who believe ground is and has been made up. Remember, Ryan Williams was at that the famous throwing session with Dylan Riola back in May. Uh, so that that connection with them goes back as well. So. Uh, Georgia's trying hard. They they are trying really, really, really hard uh, to uh, pull Ryan Williams. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Sorry, to ten, not one to ten. Buford to ten. Buford to ten. I that's why we love the Dog Father, man, and uh, uh, a damn beast media that they are good supporters of ours, and uh, you know we want you to support them on their channels as well, if you would. But that. Yeah, I saw that earlier, and I'm like, I'm gonna wait and hold up, hold up on this for when we talk about Ryan. But yeah, that, that was huge, it, dude. When you know the stat sheet like that, it means you're paying attention. You're not just there for the free hot dog Sorry. and pizza and stuff in the uh, in the recruiting lounge. Right. I mean, he's, and right now Georgia leads uh, the SEC in passes attempted, passes completed, passing. I think yardage. Yeah. So Georgia's throwing the ball more than anybody in the SEC. Yeah, that's the percentage besides Florida, and they only throw the ball two yards to pass. Yeah, I mean, he, he's paying attention, and/or the coaches are emphasizing it after the game. Either way, I think it's it's a good. Uh, but here's the, he was able to recite it to you, off the cuff. Right. Exactly. That means it got through. Yep. Because you know he didn't have that sheet in front of him. You know when you uh, had him on the phone. You know that's just right. You know, oh well, hey hey let me look this up. And hell, even if he did, that means he still had it. So I, again, I think a scale of one to one to, a Buford to ten, uh, you're you're not a Buford. You know, so that counts there. All right, uh, Malik Audrey, Ryan Williams. You got a couple other guys that we've had updates on. I can't remember them all because you guys do so damn many. I can't keep up. Yeah, um, you know, two guys I did want to mention, 24 guys. Terrell Anderson, a 2024 receiver, committed to North Carolina State, was in town. Obviously, there's there's the uh, the notion that Georgia could look to add another receiver. So we're, we're trying to get in touch with him. We've got our national guy, Adam Friedman, on it as well open to talk to him and then marcellus barnes a 2024 defensive back committed to virginia tech their relationship with georgia there goes back to the spring i believe he visited i think for a spring practice georgia offered and you know you talked to him at the time and 
he's super high on Georgia. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get back for an official visit. And, you know, all these things ends up committing to Virginia tech in June. Um, but Georgia clearly has either maintained that relationship or reached back out. Um, as of late, getting him on campus is huge. And he, he's again with, uh, let's see, DeMello Jones and Ellis Robinson, the two defensive backs you've got committed. You, you want to add another guy there. So Marcellus Barnes is is definitely a guy to watch with two months till signing day, uh, whether Georgia can flip him from Virginia Tech. Um, Josh Petty, a 2025 offensive lineman. And David Sanders is a guy, he's, what, like 275, 280 pounds, really athletic, but not necessarily the weight you look at for an offensive tackle. He plays very well, obviously. Josh Petty's at 260. I mean, he's smaller than Darnell Washington. Yeah. Uh, you know, Petty's kind of similar. He wants to get up to 290 by his senior year, but very, very athletic. I think maybe it was our, our intern, Jackson Thacker. Somebody went to go see him earlier this year, and he's just dominating guys as a tackle. He's dominating guys as a defensive tackle. Um, so another guy very high on the board, too. And a guy who doesn't seem very um, you know, involved in the recruiting process. You know, this was his first – Game day visit on campus. You know, Ollie also uh, visited for the Georgia Tech Louisville game, Mercedes Benz. I asked him, you know, hey, where does Georgia stack up in your recruitment? He's like, yeah, I haven't really thought about it that much. Um, so interesting to hear that just from a guy who, uh, what do we have him at? 152 in the country? Yeah. Uh, a guy who doesn't seem like he's he's super, you know, super. Um, we got people predicting him going to Tech at Notre Dame. So. So uh, that he's an interesting name to watch. Amari Williams, a 2025 edge um, that I spoke with. I actually spoke with his mom. Georgia is very high on him. Uh, he's, he's out of Florida. Um, I, I spoke with his mom, and she was was very complimentary of the Georgia staff, saying, you know, hey, they answered all of our questions. The communication was great. They always had somebody with us, making sure we were good throughout the whole day. Um so, yeah, Georgia gave Amari Williams a lot of attention. He's a guy, I posted this on the vault, who is kind of matriculating towards the top <clears throat> towards the top of the board as far as edge outside linebackers guys kind of go in 2025. Um, so getting him on campus is a, a very note, noteworthy visit as well. I, th I think that, the, you know, Georgia had planned to take four receivers in this class. Now they're down to two. I think taking one more or trying to flip at least one more is uh, – uh, a better possibility than not taking one more because uh, you still have room to take one out of the portal if you can get one, but I don't think you're going to land two elite ones out of the portal like you did this past year. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, Well, we know. actually have a question about that. Um, I think it's coming from a realistic UJ fan. What are some wide receiver names you could potentially see in the portal after the season? Uh, it's, been, it's been speculated by several will be active there, so there must be some names thought of as being uh, viable options. I mean, I think if you look based on, I mean, Kirby Smart has said we want guys who we had relationships with out of high school and or we played against. Dominic Lovett torched Georgia last year before it got hurt. Georgia played against Rob Thomas last year. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to speculate on anybody from opposing teams that I think is going to transfer, but that's kind of the, the MO of Kirby Smart is we're not going to just you know throw darts into the transfer portal and, and see what we come up with. They want guys they've seen, they've scouted, they know, and and that kind yeah. of stuff. So, you know, let's look at who they've missed on. Let's go back through the last couple of years. Who have they missed on? Who, yeah, who, did, who did well, you know? So it's like he, it has to be somebody who actually panned out. 
or who's somebody they play. So if we go through the first uh, six games of the season, we're like, okay, well, this kid at uh, Ball State, he was kind of good. This kid at South Carolina was decent, you know, and this, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, Amari maybe, Thomas from Kent or um, from UAB, I think, was yeah. really. Yeah, he is stud. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, hey, uh, you know, if he goes in the portal. And, again, I don't want to you, – you hear some names. But mm-hmm. it's, it's always speculative. And the last thing you want to do is be called, hey, they're saying you're in the portal – I don't want it to be the distraction for some kid who's trying to get ready for his game this weekend. But uh, realistic UGA fan has been around a long time. Great uh, support of our site on the board. Uh, at to, to the uh, point that was just made, they wanted four. They got two. Mm-hmm. And the two guys they got in the last portal, uh, did you see when they were both lined up on the same side of the field and uh, one was blocking for the other? They're just now kind of rounding into form in what in understanding Georgia's terminology and its play calls and its offense. Rara and Dominic are going to be badasses. There's and no question about that. Rara catch, come on. And Dominic is he's good. Go to, to Trent's point a little bit though, I think you're you're putting your I don't know, assuming a lot, putting yourself at risk if you're just saying, ah, just forget it. We'll we'll just get two guys out of the portal. I think that is that's not the strategy you, you should take just because you don't know what the portal is going to look like. You don't know. Well, the portal is going to be a bidding war for the best ones. Um, so I, I think ideally, if you're Georgia, you'd like to find one more high school guy and complement it with a portal guy. Uh, and when, when Nykar was still committed, that's kind of what we were saying was there's a decent chance a portal guy ends up being that fourth spot. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I personally, I don't think they get two out of the portal again. Now, if there's some surprise, uh, departures, you know, maybe, but I think the ideal scenario is one high school guy, one portal guy. Uh, that's fair. Uh, we kind of answered Andy Andy uh, Stowe's question there. Are there any UJ targets that are committed to other schools that we could flip? Um, you talked about some of the 2025 guys that Georgia might be looking at flipping. Uh, any 2024 guys you're thinking of? Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Terrell Anderson. We mentioned uh, Marcellus Barnes. Uh, right. J.J. Harrell is a receiver who's committed to Mississippi State. Um, that is worth keeping an eye on. Um, There's three I, for you. You you have to just give an obligatory mention to K.J. Bolden, I guess, um, even though I personally don't believe he's going to flip to Georgia, but but you never know. Um yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's just hard because there's so many position groups that that are full, right? They're not taking another quarterback. They're not taking another running back. Um, offensive lineman, offensive line appears to be full. So, um, you know, you, you look at defensive back and receiver, I guess, as two spots where um, I'm, I'm sure they're going to look to flip a guy. Yeah. All right, a, last question. Guy. The last question comes from Big Fatty ninety four, who is always great for uh, a question. How big is it to have Dylan Rayola this close to UGA? I've heard some things of him being a key piece to the Ryan Williams recruitment. You kind of mentioned him throwing on that uh, uh, with Dylan Rayola. Go, give me your thoughts on how important it is to have him this close. Well, it's huge. I mean, he's on he's on campus a lot. There's a reason he moved from Arizona to to not necessarily to Buford, but to the Metro Atlanta area. So. Um, He's on campus all the time. And I think specifically with Ryan Williams, just think next year when Ryan Williams, say, visits George in the summer, visits him, uh, visits for a game, Dylan Raiola, even if he's not necessarily playing, will be able to give that much more of an in-depth look of, hey, I've been here for six months. Here's how much I've learned. Here's the chemistry I've built with with these oh, guys, all that kind of stuff. Um, double point ended. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, thank God. 
Um, so <sighs> this playoff baseball is a little easier to playoff baseball is wait, did he catch it at the wall? Yeah, oh, and they doubled him off. Okay, we're done. Um <laughs> We're almost done with the show, so finish your thought. Um, again, having him on campus or having him on campus every weekend is great. And I think with these 2025 guys, once Riola is in the program and and learning even more of the ins and outs than he already does, it's going to help that much more with you know, Ryan Williams, Camp Sparks, Marcus Harris from modern day. All these 2025 receivers are going after uh, Dylan Riola and, and Ryan Puglisi too. Puglisi is obviously not close to Athens right now. Um, but but he is going to be in the ear of a lot of those guys uh, come this time next year as well. Makes sense. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We're going to get back to Braves baseball, but we really appreciate all of you tuning in. We appreciate Kobe White joining us. Uh, congrats to him on one year of being a Georgia uh, commit. Uh, again, it's rare in this day and age, so we appreciate uh, him always being available to us. And check out uh, our story tomorrow on Sokovi White and uh, some of the some of the stuff that you may have missed, some of the stuff that we've already asked him that we didn't want to uh, do it a second time here on the show. For Jed May and Trent Smallwood, I'm Rodney Bullsey, and we will see you later. Take care.